Hello and welcome to 361 Degrees Podcast uh, Season 5, Episode 4. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ray Blanford from the All About Sites. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. Uh, hello, gents. How are you? Yo. Good. It's our first. It's our first remote recording of, of season five. So yes. we made it all the way to episode four, and, and now here we are talking to you over Skype. And uh, it's the end of a very long, hot week. It's been the hottest week ever. I think I've been sitting at my house melting. Yeah. To be perfectly really honest. annoying. So there you go. There's some topical commentary on news items. Oh, there's been a, a member of the royal family born. So there you go. That's hello George. We've crow- hello George. We've crowbarred that in as well. So yes. um, have, have you any news, either of you? Blanford. Well, I could talk a little bit about where I've been since the last show because there was Ooh. one exciting phone launch which we did allude to last time, and that was the Lumia 1020. And this is the phone with the 41 megapixel camera. And you're always a bit skeptical when you go along to these events hearing about something new and innovative. Is it really that great? But honestly, it's one of the first times for you know quite a number of years that I've been really blown away. Uh, by the sort of the technical implementation of the product, there's some really smart engineering in it, but also the consumer side. Uh, I think it's maybe a niche product, but um, you know it's a camera phone that really is a, a big cut above everything else. And you know, in a world where kind of specifications have stopped mattering and we've expect all the smartphones to be very similar hardware-wise, it was. It, I think it was quite notable, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Nokia get on with it when selling it to the public. Yeah, it's um. I, we were talking about this before the podcast recording started, and I think a lot of people, myself included, will maybe think that um, uh, you know, the camera is is almost overkill for what we need. I know there's some some photography nerds out there, but I'm not sure I need that quality. But it does remind me actually that even the, was it the nine two five or the nine two eight and all the other devices have actually pretty standout cameras as well that are you know good or better than as good as or better than you know much higher priced devices out there in the market so perhaps nokia might shake off some of the um some of the dumb phone imagery and uh, and, and come out come out as being known as the the camera people now uh, I can think- i just interrupt by the way to say that i am a father luke right now right. what i mean by that is this is- isn't breaking news though is it i mean your, your child's at least your child's school age isn't it uh, well, nursery age, yeah. Right. Uh, children, by the way, I've got two, right? But, but one of them is, uh, okay. Oh, right, okay, you're, okay, all right, fine, fair point. Uh, now, the issue I have is I want good quality photography for wherever I am. Or actually, not a good quality, I want best quality. Because it's typical that the one photo I take is on the iPhone and not the, the big wicked camera. Um, and that's the one that you want blown up. You want to send to everyone the one that looks amazing for whatever reason, the light, whatever. Uh, so I really do like the idea of buying this new Lumia just because the camera is actually very important to a lot of people now. And and this is the same camera tech that was in that last famous, you know, sort of famously last Symbian device, wasn't it, mm. Rafe? The eight, is the 808? Yeah, the, the 808 PureView, it's using the kind of the same principles. They've actually re-engineered it. They've added optical image stabilization. What it basically means, it's more approachable. It's less of a geeky camera. So I think that is an important factor. But possibly the most noticeable thing about it that doesn't get talked about all that much is it's not really this big compromise usually when you stick a big camera on the back you know you've got a big hump uh, and it is there on the 1020 but it's actually in the order of you know a few millimeters rather than being you know twice the thickness or looking at the samsung device that's come out recently the galaxy zoom 
mm. you know, it's a completely different approach. And honestly, it's, it's slightly hideous because it does feel like a, a mid-range Android device, you know, glued to the back of a point-and-shoot camera. And it's yeah. just not an elegant approach. And you know, th- this thing about, you know, what's good enough, and I'm tempted to always say, yes, the cameras are good enough now, but that tends to be the way with technology. You always find something a bit better comes along and suddenly you find a reason to want it, you know, just as is going to happen with 4G and just as will happen with the various standards of Wi-Fi. You know, faster and shinier for a lot of people is better. But I, I think Ben's also right. I see this as a halo product for Nokia, which will have an impact on the rest of the Lumia range rather than being a hero product that's going to sell tens of millions of units. I actually think the 925 will probably sell better at the high end and it's actually really at the low end where they're going to re- find real success in the next six months. Yeah, I, I'm still a bit jealous of your 925. Last time we saw it, I actually, that's the, the first um, first Windows phone I've looked at and thought looked um, looked really nice as well. Anyways, um, shall we do our things of the week? Yeah. So we, um, we've managed to get three episodes in to uh, season five and we didn't do any things of the week. And there were yeah. so many things to talk about, but we kind of were a bit giddy and excited. So um, uh, Ewan reminded us that we hadn't, hadn't done our things of the week. So um, Rafe, do you want to go first with your thing? Well, my thing was going to be the 1020, so I now need to think of something else while Ewan goes next. <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Right. My my thing is a MJ. Uh, oh no. Sorry. Sorry. Actually, it's M Y O. Um, it's a piece of wearable tech, uh, like a band, like a little bit like the kind of thing that you put on to monitor your um, your heartbeat around your chest. But this goes on your arm, and it monitors your muscle movement to then remotely control computers and stuff. And actually, I did a tweet of this. I might do a blog post about it, actually, because I think it's really, really quite exciting that you, you put this strap on and then you move your hand and your arm around and then that tra- it translates that into movement. So they, uh, in the YouTube video they've got, they've got a guy playing a computer game with just his arm, basically. Um, and then they've got a guy controlling a, a quadrocopter, you know, one of those kind of drone thingies with just his hand and it's, that absolutely rocks and I think when you take that type of technology and look at what's happening in the mobile industry and bring them together it's going to get really exciting very quickly. I mean I suppose if I was being pedantic and by saying if I was being pedantic I am now about to be pedantic I'd say well I've never not controlled a game or a quadrocopter with anything but my hand <laughs> anyway uh, although I, I know what you mean I've, I've seen the video too and he's it's more like your it's more like one of these motion controllers from a games console, isn't it? You, yes. you actually literally kind of move almost your whole upper body to, to move, have these you know, It can actually it. detect, I'm quoting here, it can detect subtle variations in arm position and movement down to individual fingers, meaning a wide range of gestures are available. I mean, that's going to be so cool when you can just point at something and just move one finger. And, 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 and it would be great if we had it now because you'd be able to see the wide range of finger gestures I'm making. Yeah, very droll, very oh, okay. droll. Right, no, it does genuinely sound cool. Um, incidentally, a quick wearable, it's not my thing of the week, but quick wearable tech update. Number yes. of Fitbits lost in the last week, one. Um, I've still so, got mine. I've got I mine, it arrived. I don't know where mine is. So actually, though, I tell you, um, I, I, obviously, this is, we don't do consumer advice, but um, I... Was somebody suggested I should email, I should tweet Fitbit and I did and they said or oh, get in touch uh, by through their website. You're an they're, important they're blogger. A, they're sending me a free replacement. Wow! And they've even and it's even set up on their FAQ about have you lost it and this kind of stuff. So judging by, I don't think it's universal, but judging by the um, the, the the slickness of the process, they are they're getting pretty good at realizing that you know in order to get 
wearable tech out there you've got to give people a little bit of extra help i mean i, I lost it it's my fault but, but then yeah. you wouldn't have you, you wouldn't have gone and spent another 100 quid on one would you i, I was thinking about it i was thinking it was yeah, exactly it was, th- yeah, it was thinking about tax but yes. i was a bit i was a bit miffed and i was kind of I, i'm not i wasn't sure if i could blame them but you know it was on the belt and then it wasn't and surely if the belt clip worked properly and this kind of stuff but short answer is they've rather negated that so uh, if you're if you're thinking of getting one then i don't know if it functions better than the others but the customer support is pretty good so why have you no, but the last podcast yeah right both of you went on about this so i went ordered it there and then yes i arrived next day i was harangued i can tell you by my wife what the hell are you doing this for she was saying why are you spending what, 80 quid on a yeah that's, you'll never that's use the it children's shoes there you go yeah uh it's just that's just one pair basically <laughs> uh i've done 6400 steps today and why have you not added me both of you haven't added me on the lo- fitbit thing because i immediately lost my fitbit so i haven't been using it and Blanford, what's your excuse? He just doesn't like you. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to find the email where it says, would you like to be connected to you? And I can't find it. So you haven't Thanks sent it Thanks for to ignoring me. me. Okay. I sent it to one of your All About Something site. Yeah. Well, you have to send it to my personal email address because that's where I've connected my Fitbit information. Bigman400 at gmail.com. That's it. Allaboutfitbit.com. <laughs> it's another one of Rafe's stable. Uh, okay, uh, Rafe, did you think of a thing or are you going to keep the 1020 as your thing? Well, I, I guess I could uh, mention another thing that caught my eye, which was Motorola announcing a whole bunch of devices. Motor who? Yes, well, exactly. That's Google. kind of the point. Um, they they you know, haven't been bought out by Google. It's how the mighty have fallen. Uh, the devices themselves are interesting. It's a kind of new Droid series, but they're only going to be available in the US, and they didn't really stand out. But there was a, a pretty nasty example of... Uh, how you can talk about cores in a phone and it referred to it being having eight cores or multiple cores but it started counting cores in the uh, graphics coprocessor <sighs> and various other chipsets that are sitting in the phone including i think a natural language processing chipset and so it's actually a dual core device but they're claiming it's got eight cores and it was sort of crimes against uh, marketing is well, definitely a qualifier for that particular announcement Yes, that's just that's just cheating, isn't it? Really, it just, is. Because this is they're well, trying to kill people now. It's Motorola thinking that people are going to be fooled and or think that eight cores is great. And well, if you, if just you can get on the so bullet points, you need to get on the bullet points. You know, so in in phones for you or car from warehouse, when you're trying to evaluate what phone to buy, if they mistakenly put you know eight cores as opposed to two or something, then then people might think it's well, better. Uh, and they will, but I mean, you could actually count something like the Tegra 4 as having you know, 70 plus cores by that same yeah. reasoning. Um, <laughs> so it, it was just, I was kind of sad to see Motorola do that because one remembers them as the pioneers of cell phones. Startac. They, they kind of disappeared and that, that Google acquisition, especially given what's happened with the patent situation afterwards, doesn't look like the most sensible move and they've you know, let a lot of people go from Motorola as well. You know, oh, wait, 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 see, wait, see, 1st of August... That's well, when the, no their mid, mid-range handset that's been much leaked from handsets will come out. That mm. could be quite exciting. Well, it could, could or probably won't be. Um, so, yeah, not, not excited okay. about it. Moving swiftly on, then. <laughs> uh, my thing of the week, uh, in, in, in-car in uh, phone interfaces. So I was... Oh. Uh, I, I wasn't... I wasn't really very excited about iOS 7 and the bit of the presentation where they talked about how... Ooh, um, ooh. how I know, well, apart from that, apart from the silly noises and the clapping, and we got lots of 
lots of comments that agreed uh, with uh, that journalists shouldn't clap in in press conferences. Exactly. Yes. But um, so there was a part where they demoed um, plugging your iPhone into your car stereo, and then there being a standard whereby the stereo then displays a screen that you meant you could manipulate your iPhone. And I thought, oh, fair enough, whatever. But um, then this week, you know, kind of, I recently changed my car, and so for the first time in a little while, I've had a stereo that you can plug your iPhone into, and it will mm. play back as an iPod. But realised that actually you had no controls over it. You've got this nice big touch sensitive screen right in the you know, in the dashboard in in the car in front of you, and um, you can't control it. So you have to, you know, you either in the UK you break the law and fiddle about with your iPhone to change the music or something like that. Um, or you have to sort of pull over, or you have to pull over and do it. And I, I discovered that if if I set up playlists and things, they will pop up and for music. But I listen to loads of podcasts, and I wanted you know kind of a richer experience, you know, out of it. Um, and, and and none of that was working. So I'm actually thinking that it's really smart move that. Um, Apple have baked this in now. Now, although it's proprietary, yeah. it's likely that they'll build it into. You know, most manufacturers will support it because all of a sudden now they're going to take control. You know, it's their interface coming through yeah. and into the car, and all of a sudden having an iPhone is going to mean that I have a better in-car media Simpler. experience. Yeah, yeah, than 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 the other way around, which is where you plug it in and it pops up like a storage device. You know, yeah. and then and then it'd be and and then it, it it's secondary to whatever interface your car happens to give, and you some are good, some are no, good, some are bad. No one is ever going to get fired for in in Ford or BMW or whatever for saying I think we should do the iPhone one. Mm. Well, it's, it's it's interesting because there is an industry standard out there. It's the uh, Car Connectivity Consortium, um, which came out of a, something called Terminal Mode, which was actually developed in the Nokia Research Labs. But it kind of got left a bit behind uh, when the move from to Windows Phone happened. It was only working on Symbian device. And there are a couple of cars now on the market, or rather after-party accessories that use it. And it replicated the phone interface in a, in a car mode. Um, but it's interesting, Apple have come away and got lots of attention for it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see whether this connected car consortium can come back a little bit because it's got a lot of the big uh, manufacturers involved in it but i think it's one of those spaces to really watch in the next few years because it's such a no-brainer thing to do but it it will take time simply because the life cycle of cars is a lot longer than mobile and so Mm. you know mobiles are two years cars are maybe 10 years you know a model will be around and they think in a very different way about how to do that as a, a product yeah, I mean, certainly, obviously, you know, I imagine it'll take a long time to flow through. But I think that the the thing that impressed me was the the sense that I could have an Apple experience here on the screen in my car, rather than you know the the manufacturer's one, which is you know typically actually not as polished as an Apple experience because Apple do UI better, and and so that way around because I mean I'm I'm not familiar with the the car the connected car consortium that you were talking about there Rafe but all of the ones I've seen in in, in real world have always sort of like I say made the made the phone just a blob of memory that happened to have some mp3s on it and you know didn't allow you to to connect it in no. so it'd be interesting to see but certainly I'm I'm now hoping of course that um that when um, iOS 7 is released that my my car manufacturer will offer me a software upgrade so that I Dream can on. get it all working. <laughs> Dream uh, the, on. The, the, car, the car is the car is relatively new so I'm hoping it might Is like, it software upgradable? I would assume so. We'll, we'll find out. I will okay. report I will find out and report back. But um, certainly it's the 
it, it's it's a it's a stereo that's going to be going into cars for a few years to come because as Rafe says they they don't change them every year like they do iPhones. And is is your brand of car an unnamed? You know, we're not naming names. Well, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really matter. German German car manufacturer. There you go. I'll, yeah. I'll say I'll say that we we're not we're not about um, we're not about vehicle recommendations here. But I reckon it probably holds. Range Rover. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm about vehicle recommendations. Don't expect reliability. <laughs> no. uh, it's a wicked driving position, and Prince William had one. Exactly, it crushes all in its wake. I was um, the only person I know, with, the only other person apart from you I know with a Range Rover had to have it towed out of a car park over Christmas because the because it had frozen solid. And I thought, well, these are supposed to be all-terrain vehicles, but yeah, no. not good. No. Okay, uh, look, we have been chatting too long. What are we going to talk about properly this week? Television. Telly. It's all about telly this week, isn't it? Well, it's actually about the intersection, the third screen and the second screen and the first screen. Well, can we can we quickly revisit? So first of all, and I'm going to get this out of the way, um, because I, I teased Rafe in previous weeks about referencing things he said himself, but you people aren't going to remember what I said, so I'm going to do it myself. Is you remember we went, Do you remember when 361 Podcast started? I do. Yeah. We were in Cannes. We were in, in Cannes. Cannes on the beach. At a multimedia the, conference, weren't we? Yeah. And, and there was this smart blonde fella there. And what did he say about first screens and second screens? can't remember. No. Can't Basically, remember. I said that I thought everybody had it wrong and that the telly was the second screen and the mobile was the first screen because ah. all the media people were convinced that yes. they kept referring to tablets and mobiles as, as um, second screens. And I was yes. thinking, no, you know, it will be the TV that becomes subservient to the mobile device. Yes. And so this week, well, um, the Apple TV has been out forever and is a, it's a hobby as, as Apple describe it. This week we've had the Chromecast. Am I getting that right? I think so. Yeah. The Chromecast dongle from Google. We've also in the UK had Sky, who are the well, the monopoly um, satellite broadcaster, uh, commercial satellite broadcaster here, release um, Now TV, which is a, um, as I understand it, Rafe, is it a rebranded Roku box? Yes, that's right. In terms of the technical details, it's it, it's Roku, but with kind of the Sky branding all over it. And it's part of the big push that they're doing to almost do pay-as-you-go Sky TV. Mm. And, so, and so basically loads of, loads of, loads of people now have got... Well, we're building an ecosystem, aren't we, of things where initially everybody was buying smart TVs. You and you must have a smart TV. Yes. I mean, I tell you what, it was an absolute nightmare getting my wife to do anything in this regard because her view is still very much that a big TV is about 21 inches. <laughs> and it was, I had to go and buy this Polaroid at PC World right. uh, at, at 200 quid or something, at some 30-inch, and she was horrified. She has since been to other people's houses and been aghast at them having 50 inch TVs in kitchens and stuff and I think we've managed so therefore I was able to go and get a Samsung 40 I think it's a 40 I wasn't even able to get a big one just a this is it because it, it, the office is mine right but the house is not mine <laughs> right as in you know the sorry the house is jointly ours but I, they, yeah I don't manage the in infrastructure charge. in the house yes, yeah yes uh, so because because we're now at the point well first of all the, the thing that stands out to me and why it's worth why it's worth talking about this on a mobile podcast mm. is that the the Chromecast and the Apple TV and um, to a certain extent the uh, the I know I'm going to get the name wrong and Rafe's going to remember it. Sony have in some of the adverts Sony show sort of flicking content up from the mobile tap device onto a onto a big screen TV, don't they? Um, mm. 
and even Samsung kind of allow you to stream media off your device onto your Samsung smart TV. And they're, they're different levels of elegance. And I think we should talk about the, the, the way the, the Chromecast works in a minute. But mm. they're, all of them have almost in a generation, we've moved on from putting all, making our TVs into computers so having like a proper media player, tuner, yeah. gizmo, in, and the, the telly now all of a sudden is back to being just a dumb screen. And this all is a, a big screen, isn't it? Well, it's a, it is a big screen, but we've, Sound. we're taking all of the smarts out of it. And um, the mobile device is becoming the brain now. So you, you, all your media lives on the mobile device. You purchase it through the mobile device, and then you might just happen to share it up to the TV because it's a better They had the chance to do the TV, guys, I reckon. They've had the chance, and they didn't do a very good job of it. It's pretty smart from an ecosystem play, though, isn't it, Rafe? Uh, uh, well, I'm in two minds about it. Yes, I think it makes sense as an extension of the ecosystem, but I also see it as starting to fragment things a, a, a little bit because when we talk about this, we're, there's several technologies. I mean, Chromecast is proprietary, um, Apple TV is proprietary. It's actually really we should talk about air display and Chromecast because they're the, kind of the two enabling technologies. And I then thought, everyone I... else is doing UPnP, uh, which is kind of an industry standard, but it's been a bit crafty in terms of making it work seamlessly. I thought I read that. Now, uh, now the, the important difference, I think, is that, well, actually, no, the, the, the similarity is that they both plug into TVs via HDMI ports. Yeah. So they are, they are literally just piggybacking on the TV as a display. Yes. They're not doing anything, anything more complicated than that. But I thought that the Chromecast, Rafe, was using something called WebRTC. I haven't looked into the details of for, for that. Um, it may well be the case. So, so, but the reason that matters is that that is an open I mean, standard. It is an open standard, albeit a new one, a new, an emerging one for which would normally be associated with video conferencing and things, isn't it? Uh, but, that's right. I mean, it's sort of a way to do um, video and audio. Well, that kind of it does use WebRTC, by the way, in, in oh, the browser. Okay, it, it does. Um, there are some issues around the codex that it's going to be using and all of that sort of thing. Um, but to me, it's an interesting approach, but it is going to be tied into Google's ecosystem, whereas a lot of the smart TVs have implemented UPnP, and it's what's used when you're using something like an Xbox or some of the other consoles um, for doing a certain amount of connectivity between these things. So I'm reluctant to let go of something that's already there but has sort of maybe failed because it wasn't quite implemented properly. And it's a big surprise to me that it's come to plugging in a dongle to the TV because most of these TVs you buy now are smart. I mean, the TV... Yeah, but we've got to be really clear about what smart means. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish, right? When I I on the Samsung, trying to get iPlayer to work. It is, but I think Ben hit the nail on the head really by saying it's actually about mobile being the brain and it's not even necessarily the brain I think it's it's the control mechanism because it's the thing you've got sitting in your pocket or next to you whereas having to fiddle with a TV remote that isn't really ideally set up for you know building an interactive experience mm. is the reason why I see these kind of these dongle approaches actually being more effective you know and it's built into your your tablet or your right. phone and just being able to press a button and have it appear without thinking about it that makes a lot more sense to me than having to go into the bbc iplay or the youtube app through a complicated tv interface well the apple tv is a nice interface right why can't samsung do that because it is really bad the the the, the technology behind i've used it once iplayer 
I've had this TV for a year. Um, and the other day I thought, right, okay, I'm going to watch Top Gear, and I will watch it on the big TV, and I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to actually get it from iPlayer, and I'm going to sit there and go click, blah, 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 wait for the thing to perform. It did work, and it, it actually it was quite a good viewing experience, but it was annoying and clunky. Interesting. Actually, just just briefly, how do you guys how do you guys watch media now? Oh, uh, all right. I'll I'll go first. Um, I I do Netflix where I am for about twenty minutes in the train when I'm in LTE um, on the iPad, and I buy. Uh, I just bought the, all the Sopranos, for example, for the iPad. Um, to watch sometimes on the train, um, typically in the train, and uh, rarely do I do the TV. But the family use Netflix a load and Apple TV a load. And they do they, what do they watch Netflix through? What device is it? The Apple TV. Okay. Yeah. Rafe, uh, I'm sort of more traditional than you, and, and but I'm a Sky subscriber and then use a lot of the on-demand services. It's actually Sky Plus, and you can record something onto a, a hard disk and then watch it back whenever you like. I very rarely watch live TV now, uh, and Sky yeah, yeah. recently sort of integrated the on-demand services, BBC iPlayer, ITV Player, Channel 4 On Demand, and um, similarly for Channel 5, as well as all the Sky channels as well, and that's being able to download content over the internet and then play it back any time you like. And so if you've missed a movie on, on Sky that was an exclusive a few weeks ago, which happens quite regularly for me, you can then go back and get it later. And it's interesting that I'm finding more and more of the content is actually downloaded rather than recorded um, from you know broadcast. And, yeah. and so iPlayer famously is, is almost like complete catch-up TV for the BBC that there's very, very little they broadcast that isn't available you know, yes. on it afterwards is that the same for sky like for their you know for their channels for their for their, their regular channels not just movies it, it's not quite so universal but in terms of all the big series so the american imports and some of their original programming those will all be available on demand there are some exceptions you know the licensing doesn't go through just is for iplayer what you don't get on demand is kind of the stuff that repeats ad nauseum on satellite so the nth episode of the simpsons or something like that it yeah. tends to be just the new content each week that's available on demand for about a month that's interesting because we've been in the new house now for about six months so we've got satellite but we've only got free set in at the moment so free sat free to air satellite in at the moment um while we get the the wires run around the house for all the various things and but i'd say apart from news which we tend to watch you know, over meal times and things like that, because it just coincides. Um, I'd say the vast majority of our TV viewing is um, is catch up TV. The the satellite box we've got has got an iPlayer client in it that works quite well, yeah. and nearly all our TV works there. And actually, when we're when we're sort of chilled out in front of the TV looking for something to watch, kind of speculatively rather than sitting down deliberately to watch a program, um, if the channel if the channel doesn't have a a, a catch-up TV client on one of the boxes we have under the telly, we don't watch it. You know, I mean, we might watch it live. You're on time, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And your so quality actually, threshold is, is so much higher nowadays, right? But it was interesting. So we, at the moment, we we only have the one telly, you know, in our living room, and, and we obviously will, you know, as we as we sort the house out, we'll put some. Um, TVs in the kitchen and things probably as How well. How big will it be in the kitchen? Well, Just I, so I, can I, tell my I wife. don't know, but we'll, 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 get, we'll get we'll get Mrs. McLeod round to give us some advice on on sizing. Please, please. Um, 
But the it wasn't what was interesting though was that I had already assumed that every TV we buy will definitely have an Apple TV on the back of it, and that was over Christmas. Went home, my folks have an Apple TV. Within five minutes, everyone's sharing their um, holiday yeah. pictures, video clips, and it. You know, it's Christmas Day in the afternoon, and we're all sat around the TV after after your lunch, uh, and are just sort of talking and catching up and everything. And within minutes, you know, everyone's doing it. It pops up. Everyone's obviously on the the home Wi-Fi, and it all pops up. And you know, we've got lots of iOS devices in our family, and it, it took twenty minutes for that to just become absolutely natural. Yeah. And so now, you know, I I, I I'm for example not looking to buy um, smart TVs at all. Don't want it, as you said, yeah. you and think they think they're rubbish. You know, being really amazed that you can spend thousands of pounds on a, for example, a Samsung smart TV and have such a horrible software experience and rubbish exactly. kind of pretend apps and this kind of stuff. When actually sharing um, sharing off the off the tablet, and interestingly, um, you can you can do all these catch up apps um, off off a tablet or off a smartphone and share them via via AirPlay and presumably. Chromecasts, you know, soon when that ecosystem takes off, um, just as easily. You don't need to have, you know, it's almost easier to do it off the um, off the mobile device than it is to have a separate box. Soon it'll just be, yeah, just give me the screen. Yeah. Don't don't give me the don't put the smart stuff on it. Just give me the screen. Let me connect to it. And it's um, it, it could be an interesting investment for um, for media companies as well, couldn't it, Rafe? Because if if you if you can build an app for I don't know Android or for iPhone or or any a mobile ecosystem, and then also by default then access people's TVs. You don't then need to go go out and integrate with different hardware providers or build you know dedicated set yeah. boxes or something that go in, um, and maybe even then have a way to bill people for content because you've got in-app purchasing and that kind of ecosystem. It it could. Absolutely, it could almost even do away with games consoles uh, as as a as a route to our media, couldn't it? Uh, absolutely, I I think you know when you combine it with the cloud storage for doing you know the personal media consumption, it then gets really interesting. And it's you know it's essentially it's a distribution issue because by having one of these you know dongles or Apple TV box, and I'm sure Apple TV is going to get turned into a, a small dongle that just is turned plugged into your tv as well it's obviously makes sense that particular approach it's minimally intrusive but as you say if you can piggyback off the back of an existing ecosystem rather than trying to drive yourself because there are so many tv manufacturers out there you have to integrate with each one of them um mobile just makes a lot more sense and you know that connected part of it you know there is actually sometimes a problem getting that to work well on a tv because of the the interactivity of it, you know, the TV by its nature isn't a touch screen and the, there are these control issues. So farming that bit off to a browser on your phone or on the tablet makes a lot of sense to me. As you say, you know, buying content or queuing up what's next in your Netflix queue. And we're already seeing that uh, happen already. There is maybe more work to do for all of these. The, the third parties have to you know, do a couple of different versions, but I think still think that's much less work than... They're doing their own box or you know partnering with the TV manufacturers. I saw a video recently, Ewan, that had Steve Jobs at some conference talking about um, how why Apple TV was a hobby rather than a product, and he was saying it's all about route to market. 
which is if they were going to make the Apple TV a proper set-top box, then they'd have to have all of these licensing agreements with all of the TV companies and the content distributors, and and that you know it yeah. would be incredibly hard to do in the music world, and was nigh on impossible to do in the TV world, and therefore, you know, you do you it was very difficult to make a compelling product that had all of the, the coverage that it needed. Yeah. And then I got into a conversation on, on Twitter actually with, with, with someone and, we, and saying, actually, isn't it strange though, that these same media companies who, who won't, for example, put their content into, you know, an Apple TV or, or, or will HBO or something like that, or, or, or will yeah. fight to license it through Hulu or Netflix yeah. or, or anything like that. And it's, it becomes a really aggressive kind of um, fight. All of these companies are queuing up all of these companies are queuing up to put their media into the app store in in their own apps yes yeah it's, it's about the control of the experience and it's really notable actually is with, it, the, with the, the Chromecast. i i think it is or the, it, it's, it's just panicking about the revenue as well um uh, and if you look at Chromecast, I thought it was really interesting that Netflix was given top billing and obviously there's a certain amount of DRM you know, being built into that and it just feels it's got to that point where all the pieces have come together to make it uh, a realistic proposition and that distribution angle, particularly through app stores, just makes things so much easier and you can then iterate through different versions. I mean, the, the interesting thing about this is do you then... Is that how the kind of the interactive second or first screen experiences are going to work? Can we see foresee a time when you'll download the Game of Thrones app rather than, you know, what Microsoft has tried to do, do it through Smart Glass where it's controlled through Xbox and they're kind of building a platform around that. It, it seems more compelling or more likely to happen that each of these broadcasts, because they do are powerful still, they still own the rights, will do the, the apps and they'll be sensible they'll connect to twitter for doing the social bit or, or facebook but there feels like there's a lot of activity around there and so we will get apps on tvs but they're going to arrive via a tablet or a phone rather than on the tv itself yeah it's um they they're going to control they're going to control the apps they're going to write them as they do now but they're going to write them to to integrate and, and as you say it will give them it'll give them that control but um I remember actually I blogged for Ewan on Mobile Industry Review uh, when I was in Moscow at um, mm. Demo um, about a company that was saying that music albums will become apps because basically they, they'd, they'd take the band's music, they'd put it into an app, then they'd wrap it up like with kind of DVD extras and media content. And they were saying people were far keen now that playing music from an app was the same as playing music from a music library on most devices. Um, People users were far keener to have the app because they got a nice, rich, branded experience, which was a bit like buying the old-fashioned album. Mm. And I'm pretty sure way back, Ewan, when we were at um, the International Book, what was, what was it, the London OBF, Book Fair? London Book Fair, yeah. Um, we met with we met with people who were convinced that all ebooks would be apps sooner or later. Mm, mm, and I, I I do wonder. I mean, I think I think for the I mean Stephen Fry famously. Uh, did a, a rather fabulous, all-encompassing mobile app uh, for one of his books uh, a little while ago, and I I bought the the Hillary Mantle one about Cromwell, and that was a a book and I think an audio thing as well. But it, I think it works for big authors um, who want just like a big band. You want that experience, and you want to to be able to view some videos about it and so on. I think the Hillary Mantle one actually was quite a big download because it included a lot of exclusive 
interviews. But the only way they could package this and deliver it to me was by putting it into an app and then making me download you know, half a gig or something like that. Uh, I think it's a, there is something there. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the apps um, and the app experience because I wonder what can you do um, that, isn't, that isn't boring. But, but the one thing I do come back to is, do you remember the, um, the Tucker phone? Um, yes. application for uh, the, oh God, the thick of it, the thick of it, um, it's a, a political satire. That was Which, a really interesting method. If you're listening in the States, there's a, a remake called Veep. Which I think is goes out on HBO. I think it is. But yeah, it's, and it's, if you're listening to the and you listen to us in the states, you don't want to watch Veep. I mean, it's all right. You want to get the thick of it. Get, right. Watch both. I, I quite like them both. The Veep's all right. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. All right. I, it's, yeah. it's no House of Cards. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Which rock? Originally, yes. Now that that Tucker app was genius. The way they implemented that. So do do go and get. I think it's called Tucker Phone. And they've taken the lead, one of the lead characters, and they've made the 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 app experience. You you, you load it, and there's some there's some things to do in it. And you can laugh and find you can you you pretend you've got his phone. Um, but across the week, across the two weeks, your phone starts ringing. It's a fake ring, and you, when you and so you're sitting in a meeting, and it rings. I'm sure I've said this in the podcast before, but you know it's fantastic when it rings. You you you, you pick it up virtually. And then you'll hear it's it's Tucker, the the the, the character screaming down the phone saying, "Give me my damn phone back!" And then you, your phone will you get a text message in a meeting, and it'll be from Tucker. But across a couple of weeks, but they, I think the the makers of this missed a trick. But you know, I'd, I'd pay for it all week. I'd pay for it all year. Yeah, it was it was a really good example of of how the media was really enhanced by you know sort of something something extra. And it makes me think that that whilst it might not we might not call the maps. Every, yes. every piece of media will be interactive and designed from the ground up. Well, an experience, a branded experience. Yeah. yeah. But 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 yeah. also it won't be to a template like like uh, I feel what it was now. But is that there's, there's a special format of iTunes albums, isn't there? And I'm yeah. going to iTunes enhanced or EP. EPs. Yeah. And and it, it's kind of a very basic, but it's also too templatey. I don't know anyone who likes it because it doesn't add enough. It's not unique enough for each band or whatever. So I think that's going to happen. So have, have we reached unanimous agreement then that TVs will stay dumb screens and all we'll do is put plug sharing devices into HDMI ports and presumably, ultimately, you'll buy a telly and it will do AirPlay and Chromecast and UPnP and... and, well, and, and. Let me let me make a, a statement. Think about bigger tablets. Because um, we now have... So each of my children... So the one-year-old's got an iPad... The three-year-old's got an iPad, and then my wife has an iPad, all minis, and she watches Netflix and Love Film. We've got a subscription to both because one of them's got, I don't know, one of those Doctor series that she likes. Um, Grey's Anatomy. On the tablet or on the telly? On the tablet, because she's in the kitchen. And we don't have a 50- or 40-inch TV in the kitchen, obviously, right? Which I think is rare. I'd like to hear from listeners. Do you have uh, a... A big TV, or a TV, in the kitchen. I'd like to know that. Blanford, do you have a, ki- a TV in the kitchen? Uh, no, I don't. And I, I agree with you. I think tablets are almost becoming the, the second yeah. TVs. And so we, yeah. we talked about the terms first screen uh, and second screen. And there often is the assumption that they fit very you know, tightly into those categories and you deliver certain experiences across them. And I think what we see happening 
is actually each of those screens starts behaving like the other and will sometimes be first and second and it depends who's watching whether it's a group experience whether it's a group in person experience or group over the web but also the kind of delivery of apps that we've sort of talked about it, it's not so much an app as a, a bundling of content together in some way and you know certain devices are more suited than others to that but you can see each of them being delivered on all the platforms and so of the tucker phone is very obviously fixed to the phone but mm. you think about the way in films being able to look up actor information and maybe other things that they've been in that question you know, why do i recognize that person is often seen as a second screen experience but i think it can yeah. be just as much you know first screen so it's quite a complex area that's still developing and i think because we've got to this point where it's just as simple as plugging in a cable and it all happens wirelessly we'll now see something of a flowering of that as kind of it, it stops being about connecting it or making it work and we can then start enjoying some of the benefits of the fact all that's just done seamlessly do you think there's an issue about speed as well because i'd be interested to know what your view of netflix is Ben, given that you don't have uh, super fast internet, right? Because well, we, when we didn't have it, we hardly ever used it. But the moment we got Infinity, love it. We, what have I got? Well, we've got, we've got 15 down, and which isn't, you know, isn't terrible. And we, we can stream a HD iPlayer quite comfortably. So I think that's all right. And I think in that respect, even people on crappy connections, it works in your favor because my slow broadband is up load speed. You know, if you're on ADSL, right. you've got slow up and, and faster down. So obviously, you know, um, TV streaming only has a down element. If I was trying to stream to my tablet from my home network because I had some personal media here, that wouldn't work very well when I'm away from home because it you know, would require uploading and that kind of stuff. But, um, but in, in this model of, of streaming from the cloud, it, it works fairly well. And actually, I'd, I'd say um, I, when I, that year I spent working on a MiFi, um, okay, mm. when the network was absolutely rammed, it didn't work. But you can stream, I, you can stream HDI player over a, a passable 3G connection, yeah. it's certainly in the UK at the moment. So it, it's fine. I mean, I'm actually more interested in, in when you're streaming content off your mobile device. Yeah. Can, the, can the mobile device encode and send it to the tv in hd quality so that actually you you know it, it's no watching. it can that's a shocking yeah. experience for me you, you you definitely do need uh fast broadband for this to work uh because it then switches from being a streaming experience to something you have to download and watch later and that tends to be the pattern i use because i'm on the slower rural broadband than, than ben is um and i think it's also a problem on mobile that hasn't been solved because the connectivity isn't ubiquitous enough. Um, yeah. It's just about workable, but it's not seamless. And as soon as it starts bringing... So, you know, this idea of watching on a TV and then resuming on your tablet when you get on the train on the way to work doesn't really work yet. I mean, you're, that's you're for me. 20 minutes of that's Netflix. For me. Yeah, what about exactly. the last 10 Netflix. minutes? No, no, because uh, the signal's very patchy. But let me just... Can I come back to Ben and his beautiful Christmas experience? <laughs> right? Because I, I photos are fine. Right, I can airplay photos, and by the way, I want to point out that the router is next to the TV, right? And I'm standing in the same room. Okay, so the phone has there's nothing in between. Yeah. Okay, and when I try and put an HD video, I mean just one that I've taken off the children from the iPhone using airplay, it just it, it takes minutes for it to buffer, 
and then play. That's interesting. We were all of my all of my immediate hands on with that was um, was with iPlayer and and streaming apps. Yeah, um, see, that's that's different. On a, on a tablet. Yeah, try it from your phone. I'd like to hear from listeners again on this. Is it just me? I don't think it is. Because in your phone, trying to get videos up to screen, because I'll say to my child, I'll say to Archie, would you like to see you know you at the park? Yes. Okay, stand by. Because I'm trying to get his attention you know, from stop hitting people or whatever. I'll say, right, stand by. Here we go, play. The screen will go dark. You'll see, you'll see the first uh, frame, then nothing mm. for about 30 to 60 seconds. Certainly, so, so this is this is the new this is the new. Um, I can't get PowerPoint to work. Every conference I've been to recently has had the the presentation on a on an Apple laptop, which was trying to screen share. Or sorry, it was trying to air display to a projector over, or via an Apple oh, TV, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or to, to to the TVs in the venue, and 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 connectivity issues there. It's always seem to be problematic, but I have to say my my hands-on experience has always been pretty seamless. Um, although, again, you know, we we were probably not trying to use the more high-end. Do HD because you know the iPhone is recording in, in HD, yeah. and iPlayer isn't. So iPlayer is obviously compressed dramatically, and then yeah. streaming it out off your phone onto TV should be really quick and simple. Taking the the raw HD video from your phone and putting it into your TV via the, the Apple TV is a very poor experience, I think. For me, it is. What am I doing wrong, listeners? It's funny because in, in terms of how it should work in my head, it seems really inefficient to have the video come down to your phone, then back out of the phone over the wireless network to the TV. Right. It, I think certainly it's some, not universally, but some of the way that the Chromecast works is that you send kind of the URL for what it should view and then... You, you know, it, the, the Chromecast then picks up, you know, downloading directly, so that you don't have all those additional hops. Yeah. But there again, on 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 the the Air Display piece, they also have the joy that you can share the screen. So if you're using an app mm. that doesn't mm. have, um, you know, kind of a special AirPlay mode, you just share the whole screen, and you can, you know, we we were we had one of those apps that you could, you know, make pictures look weird and draw or draw on them, stretch them around, and I mean wow. it was just silly messing around with. with family photos or whatever but you know kind of it was it was just as fun an experience we could do a group a group game as it were just by using air display so it's it, it swings around about but certainly uh, obviously chromecast not available in the uk yet it'd be interesting to see is if if and when it is mm. but i wonder will um will microsoft and the other ecosystems respond with a similarly lightweight we'll need to need to be, need yeah, to be quick because because buy an xbox might be an answer, but it can't be the universal one. Well, not not when it's th- so. What's thirty five dollars in in pounds? Because I, I I doubt many listeners here would be hesitating at, at thirty five dollars. Well, I have to say from from watching the from watching the demos and reading the material I've seen so far, I think I might be hesitating just because not twenty two quid. Well, yeah, twenty two quid. Well, that, that's, that's, co- that's an impulse purchase. Well, absolutely, absolutely, it is. But I think if I was buying something to plug into my TV, I might actually go out and deliberately seek out something more expensive that was going to give better performance. You know, right. I, I watched some of the demos and, and the screen mirroring and things looks pretty laggy to me. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I that's, that's one or two very simple demos on, on journalists have done in a, in a particular setting. So I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. But I, I would be more convinced about buying something slightly more high end or ultimately I don't want to buy a box. I want to just have it built into my next, you know, big TV purchase. So you want the TV you're, you're to be Apple smart TV. after all? 
I don't want it to be smart. I want it to be a receiver. Yeah. I want it to, yeah. want it to be a Wi-Fi receiver. You think receiver. that's what, what the Apple TV will be then? Yeah. I mean, the Apple television. There wouldn't, I don't think there'll ever be an Apple television. I think it's the, the Apple part of that equation is way too small. But what they'll do is a bit, it'll be like, you know, Apple have made huge money off licensed accessories, you know, docks and speakers and all this kind of stuff. And they'll just have AirPlay certified TVs. Interesting. Ironically, probably made in volume by Samsung. <laughs> Anyways, we should wrap up there. I've no idea how long we've been talking for, but I feel like it's probably been too long. So uh, let's let's wrap it up there. Um, how you and you were asking, how are people watching their media? Yes. So how do you watch your media? How do you watch TV? Do you do catch up TV? Exactly. Or, um, do you watch it live or do you watch it DVR'd like? Rafe, what do uh, you do in the train as well? Exactly. Yeah. Do you if, take if, the media yeah. out of the house? And you buy. I want to know if people are buying yeah, or streaming because obviously it's far more effective to stream on Netflix, right? But actually, if you want to watch something in the train, you got to download it. There we go. So tell us everything that you do in its entirety. Be really and, useful. Uh, also, as an addendum, we're also interested for a future episode about where people buy their phones. Mm. So uh, let us know. We're just doing a bit of homework at the moment. But um, if you're buying a device, do you get it from a network? Do you buy it outright from the shop? Do you buy it from the uh, from specialist retailers? So let us know, and we'll be thinking a bit more about buying phones. Uh, we'll, we'll mention your name. Blanford oh, will say your name. Blanford will, Brave Blanford will say your name for no charge. There we go. Well, as ever, gents, thank you. It's been huge fun. As Please. always, Ben. Silence. <laughs> and uh, and we, we, we will be a little bit more timely next week. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, please let us know what you're doing for all of those many questions that, uh, that you and reeled off. And we will be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.